morning. Happy early Thanksgiving to those of you that are not traveling yet and for those of you that are and may be listening later. Hope your Thanksgiving goes well. Uh, we are wrapping up our series called Twisted. Today is part number eight. We're going to wrap it up today. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open to Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 24, that's where we're going to be for just a few minutes as we talk about uh, what, uh, as we talk about this last verse, last couple of verses that are taken out of context. And that's what we've been talking about for the, the previous seven weeks. And this is week number eight. It's hard to believe that it has gone this long. When I began this series, I had two messages in mind, maybe three, and then it just continued to grow and the conversation that I've had with uh, several of you just it sort of just kept going and kept going and we probably could go the rest of the year if we wanted to but I think we need to focus on something else but I've enjoyed it I've enjoyed the feedback that I've gotten from you it's uh, it's been a reminder and a refresher to me about reading scripture in context and I've appreciated several uh, of you that have said that you know that it, it's helped you and that it's helped you to read in context and so that's what we're trying to do we want to make sure that we handle God's word the right way yes or no we want to make sure that when we read it, we understand what the writers were talking about, what they intended to say. And, you know, we've been talking for all these weeks about the, the danger of, of one-verse theology or two-verse theology that just pulls something out of its context and then makes it say something that it doesn't say or something that it doesn't say you can make it say or you can use it to do what you want to do or not want to do. And it's just, you know, there's, there's just some danger, uh, there's just some danger in that. And so let's review, uh, let's review very quickly uh, our, our points. The first thing we've said is that the Bible was not written to us, but it is written for us. Now then, let's go through our points, and you know the drill by now. Uh, point number one, context is key. One more time, nice and loud, context is key. That's the most important one of all of our eight points that we've got. Context is key, and it's especially true for what we're going to be talking about today. Context is key. Uh, week number two, our point was misquoting Scripture contradicts the message. Week number three, we said that pulling Scripture out of context can cause us to miss the true message, and that's, that's so important because while we might get a, a, a little bit of the message. Uh, we might get sort of a, a, a dusting, you know, when, you know, in the south it doesn't really snow down here. We occasionally will get a dusting of snow. Okay, well that's kind of what pulling scripture out of context does. It sort of can give us a, a dusting of what is there, but when you read it in its context you realize there's so much more depth to it. There's so much more meaning and so much more power, and so we have to read it in context so we don't miss it. Week number four, we said that misusing scripture allows us to justify sinful behavior okay who is it that says if you give me 15 minutes I can I can rationalize anything you know that's true for just about all of us is it not you give me a little bit of time and I can rationalize things some of you are pointing others out in here you have experience with that uh, but we can do that okay not only that we can probably find a verse to back up the reason we want to do something okay and it's very easy to Pull a scripture out of context and use it. Okay, remember, that was the one where we uh, looked at Matthew 7, 1. It said, don't 
judge or you too will be judged. Okay, and that's the one that is so often used to deflect comments about poor decisions and poor uh, life choices. And we'll say, hey, you can't judge me. Jesus said don't judge. But we, as we saw, that's not what Jesus was talking about at all. The context of that scripture dealing with reconciliation and, and how to go to someone the right way and, and to deal with a, a, a sinful action. Uh, in week number five, we said that taking Scripture out of context can lead to a misinterpretation of Scripture. And this happens all the time. We misinterpret Scripture, and again, we miss the message. From week number six, we said that using Scripture out of context makes it a pretext. And then last week, our point was that mistranslation can hinder a movement. And we, we talked about the word church, and we talked about the word ecclesia, and how that, that word is not translated the right way. You know, it should be gathering. It should have read, you know, on this rock that Jesus is the Messiah, I will build my gathering. But instead, it's, it's church, it's basilica, it's kirka, you know, and that just means structure, it just means gathering place. Okay, and we said that, you know, that, that mistranslation, as we saw, as by the time Constantine and all those guys kind of got a hold of it and they started building buildings and places of worship, that it kind of ceased to be a movement and it was sort of limited to a, a, a location. It put church in a box, if you understand what I'm saying. But when we look at it the right way, we look at it in its, in its context, in the original language and what it means, we realize that, that the gathering is not something you can lock up. Okay, the gathering is not something you can close the doors to and turn off the air conditioning to. The assembly, you know, you can't do that because it's a movement. Now, the building, you can do those things. Okay, uh, the, the, the gates of hell can prevail over a building, but it can't prevail over a movement, over an assembly of, of, of God's people. And so that's what we talked about last week. And then the point today, point number eight, last point in the series is this. Twisting Scripture can lead to non-biblical doctrines. And that's what we're going to, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about uh, right up front. And so this morning, what we're going to be talking about is this right here. We're going to be talking about the rapture. Now, let me say a couple of things right up front. Uh, I have a lot of material on this, and I've done a lot of research on this. And I can't get it all into what I'm going to talk about today. And so there's the possibility that what I have prepared in my mind, I feel like I've covered everything, okay, but it's just because I'm familiar with it. So if I miss something along the way, or if I leave something unanswered, or if you have a question or just want to talk some more about it, if you'll just let me know, and I'll be glad to send you everything that I've put together on this, because it's a lot more than than we have time for this morning. So I was just able to just sort of mine the, the really good stuff, the really big stuff uh, out of this. And so if you have more questions, there's, there's a probability that I can leave you with some today, but there's room for more discussion if you want to have some with that. The second thing is, is that I'm, I'm kind of poking the bear this morning with this one, okay? But, you know, if we're going to read Scripture correctly, sometimes the bear might need to be poked. You know, we want to make sure that we're, we're doing this the right way. Are you with me? Good. All right. So let's, uh, let's, 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 let's talk about this. You know, we hear the rapture a lot. Anybody not heard about the rapture or familiar with it and all that stuff? Good. Well, basically, 
basically the idea behind the rapture is that God is going to reach down and He is going to, to snatch away all the good people and He's going to leave behind all the bad people to sort of fend for themselves in a, a, you know, a terrible series of, uh, of wars and plagues. And that sounds good on one hand, you know, if, if you're a good person, right? But then again, who are we really to judge? I mean, after all, Jesus himself said there's no one good but God. So if, if, if we're following that, then we're in another category altogether, okay? And so, but if, you know, if we're a good person, then it sounds like, well, that's okay. But if we fall into the category of not such a good person, that's scary, is it not? That's a very scary thing to think about being, think about being left behind. Now then, here's the thing. This doctrine of the, of, of the rapture, this is not an ancient doctrine, okay? It is not something the early church fathers talked about, okay? It's not something that the apostles were having conversation about. This is a relatively speaking, a relatively new doctrine that wasn't developed until like the 19th century. Well, it's gained some prominence, uh, some prominence and we know, you know, there's been the... Uh, there's been some books written about it. The, the Left Behind series. Everybody familiar with those? Anybody have those? Anybody got some of those? Good. Now, you, you've heard me talk about those, those books before, and, and I have a fairly strong opinion on them. And what I would tell you if you own those, you know, you can read them. They're, they're okay to read. But I would also say, too, that if it, you know, if it, if it turns really cold and the power goes out and you don't have anything to, to start your fire with, or you, you could use those. That, that's basically my opinion of, of those books, okay? Because they're, they're, they're written on Scripture taken out of context. They don't have a whole lot to do with what we're talking about, and they push some ideas that are just absolutely un, un, unbiblical. And, uh, you know, there's been some movies that were kind of cheesy and poorly acted out and, and, and all of this. And so that's kind of, you know, what, what the rapture is. And uh, maybe you've been driving around town and you've seen somebody who, who supports rapture theology and they've got this on the back of their car uh, warning in case of rapture this this car will be unmanned have you seen that bumper sticker anybody seen that one yeah I've seen that too or you know here's here's this one here kind of gives you a better picture of, of what some people are expecting people sitting on a bench and all of a sudden man one of them's just snatched away and the other guy's sitting there like what <laughs> what just what just happened here uh, but that's kind of the the visual idea of what people picture when they're talking about the rapture. And there's, there's a few scriptures uh, in the Bible that, that people use to put together this doctrine, but they're very thin, and it is generally not a good idea to take one or two verses and build an entire doctrine from it. Okay, That is generally not a, a, a good idea. Uh, one of the key scriptures that this doctrine it comes from is what we're going to talk about this morning and it comes from Matthew 24 Matthew 24 uh, 40 and 41 it says two men will be in a field one will be taken and the other left two women will be grinding with a hand mill one will be taken and the other left now then when we read those verses it sort of makes sense to that picture we just looked at doesn't it it sort of makes sense that, you know, one, you're, we're sitting there and all of a sudden, you know, one of them vanishes away, okay? And it kind of 
sounds like that. The problem is those verses are, 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 are pulled out of context. Okay, and here, here's the problem. Okay, it has to do with the language. Okay, the words in yellow, that's where the problem comes in. The words taken and the words left. That's what causes us to kind of get this thing out of whack. Now then, I'll go ahead and tell you, this entire passage we're looking at, it's, it's not an easy passage. It's not an easy passage to interpret. But it is kind of talking about the judgment. It is talking about the, the end of time things. But when you take those two verses and you just rip them out of the context, you can come up with this, this doctrine that is not found in Scripture, even though when you look at it right there, it kind of sounds like, well, hey, that, that makes sense to me. But when you look at it in the whole, you realize that, no, that's, that's, not, that's not what that's talking about. The language, you know, the taken, the left, the taken, the left, want to be here, want to be gone, it is, it is eschatological. And what that means, of course, if you've taken my theology class, you'll know that's, that's talking about the, the end of time, the end things, the last things that are, are going to be taking place. And it is talking about judgment. Both of these words, you start, you go back, you look at the, the Greek, and they're both kind of similar. But we have to ask ourselves, you know, what is Matthew, or rather, what is Jesus, what is he trying to convey to his audience? And, and, and two questions come to mind. Are the taken ones ushered off to be with Jesus, while the others are left behind to face judgment? And that's what it kind of sounds like. Or, could it be that those taken are the ones who are swept away to judgment while those left behind are saved? And when we look at this scripture in its context, I think we'll see that it's the, the, the second one, the latter one, that those who are left behind are actually the ones that are saved. But it takes us putting it back where it belongs and reading that whole passage for us to see it. And I think when we do it, it's going to open up a, a completely different way. But herein lies the, the difficulty of, of this text. But to pull these verses out of context, it sounds like rapture theology is sound, but you know, we've seen this slide every single week. It is it's taken out of it's taken out of context. Okay? This particular doctrine, it is not found, it is not found in scripture so let's let's take our bibles and let's read this passage let's start in in verse 36 uh jesus is is talking about the end of the time you know he's talking about when things are going to happen talking about a lot of this stuff he's just given a parable and then he gets down to verse 36 and it says now concerning that day and hour no one knows that's talking about when Jesus returns, okay? Concerning that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, except the Father only. Jesus does not even know when he is going to be returning, okay? So, now then, when somebody pops up on TV and says, this is the date he's coming back, you know, go ahead and plan to do what you had planned that day, okay? Because Jesus is probably not coming back on that day, Okay? Because it says Jesus himself does not even know. Nobody knows except God himself. Okay? Then in verse 37, it says, As the days of Noah were, 
so the coming of the Son of Man will be. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. So this is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. Two men, here's our verses right here. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, be alert, since you don't know what day your Lord is coming. But know this, if the homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, he would have stayed alert and not let his house be broken into. This is why you must be ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour, coming at an hour that you do not expect. Okay, does it, did it read a little differently? Could you kind of see what was going on in that passage as we're reading it? In, in verses 37 through 39, Jesus announced that his appearing is going to be like the coming of the flood as in the days of Noah. Matthew says that when the Son of Man comes again, people are going to be going about their normal routines. Okay, They're going to be doing their, their normal thing. And just as the deluge, just as the flood came upon them, they were swept away. Noah and his family were prepared, but we know from that story that all the rest of the people, you know, they didn't heed the warning, and they were taken by complete surprise. Okay, it says right here, as the days were, the coming of the Son of Man will be. You know, as in other words, as the flood came on people and they were not prepared and they were not expecting it, that's the way the Son of Man, the coming of the Son of Man is, is going to be. For in those days, they were eating, they were drinking, they were giving in marriage until the day, no, uh, until the day Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them away. Well, who's that talking about? Noah and his family knew about the flood, right? They knew the flood was coming. Why did we think they were building the ark? They were ready for it. It was the other people who were not. So that when that flood came, those who were not prepared, those who were not prepared are the ones that were taken away. They were swept away. Now then, when we take our verses 40 and 41 and we read it in the context of the flood, then what we see is that those taken away are not the saved. Those that are taken away are the wicked. Since the coming of the Son of Man will be just like this. You know, we conclude that the taken, that those taken at that time must be the wicked. It is the saved ones that are actually those who are, are left behind. They're, uh, N.T. Wright, you've heard me talk about him before. He's a, uh, the, one of the leading New Testament scholars in the world. And this is what he says on this passage. He says, one will be taken and one left. It doesn't mean, as some have suggested, that the one person will be taken away by God to some kind of supernatural salvation while the other is left to face destruction. If anything, it's the opposite. When invading forces sweep through a town or village, they will take some off to their deaths and they will leave others untouched. Uh, New Testament scholar named Ben Witherington III, he, uh, 
He is a professor of New Testament at uh, Asbury uh, Theological Seminary. And he says this, he says, Notice the use of the language took them all away in verse 39. This prepares for the language about one taken and about one left behind in verses 41 through 44. The taken ones are the unfortunate ones, swept away by judgment. The ones left behind or left standing are the fortunate ones like Noah. The point that, that Jesus is trying to make, the point that Jesus wants us to make, and I think that's where this, 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 this doctrine kind of can detract about this, from this, the point that Jesus is trying to make is that no matter what, we must be ready for His return. Okay? We must be ready for the return of Jesus because no one knows when it is coming. Okay? No one knows when it is coming. And if we're not ready, well, then we're going to be like the people who didn't heed Noah's warning and they were swept away. Noah and his family were spared. They were left. They were left alive in the ark. Everyone else was swept away. And that's what he's saying. It's going to be like that. If you are not prepared, if you have not given your life to Jesus, when Jesus shows up, you're going to find yourself just like the people of the flood. They were swept away to judgment. And you will be swept away too if you are not prepared to meet Jesus. That's what he's saying. Be prepared because I'm coming. I don't know when it's going to be, but I'm coming. I don't know when. It's when God says go, I'm going to go. And so we must be vigilant in how we live our lives, right? Donnie talked to just a few minutes ago about how the world is just it's kind of going nuts right now. Okay? And I find myself now praying more really for really the first time in my life saying, Lord Jesus, please come. Okay? Because the world is just crazy. And I think about what the future is going to hold. And you know, I think about my children and how they're going to grow up. And I think about if the world continues to tick on, how their children are going to, to, to grow up and what kind of world it is going to be. And as I look around, I think, man, you know what? Being with Jesus is a whole lot better than being here. Okay? But the thing is, we have to make sure that we are ready so that when he does come, we are not swept away. Okay? So that we're not the ones taken off to that horrible judgment. But we are ready. We'll get to go and, and, and to be with Jesus. Of course, Jesus, you know, he talked about that in, in other places. In Matthew 25, he's still talking about it, the parable of the, the ten virgins and how five of them were ready and five weren't when the, when the bridegroom showed up. But it's, it's all about being ready for Jesus' return. Uh, there's an, another scholar, her name is uh, Barbara S. Rossing. Uh, she's written a book called The Rapture Exposed. And she comes, from it, uh, comes at it from the, from the standpoint of revelation, and she kind of works backwards. But she, she points out some very interesting things. She says, There is simply no evidence that there will be a rapture of Christians into heaven where the unredeemed are left behind. 
Indeed, many of the central proof texts, Matthew, uh, from, from Matthew, from Luke, from 1 Thessalonians, they refer quite plainly to the general resurrection, not some earlier rapture. Yes, there will be a resurrection of all, but no one will be left behind. Verse, uh, then, then she says, one of the other things that the rapture does is that it teaches an earthly war in which Christ is victorious, reducing his kingdom to an earthly kingdom, fighting with, with earthly weapons. Okay, that, that Christ and all his people are going to come back, they're going to be on the earth, and they're just going to make war against the pagans. Okay, that's kind of one of the things that it teaches, that you've got Christians just having at non-Christians with, with swords and violence. Now then, does that sound like something Jesus would say? No. Okay? When Jesus, you know, remember that, that picture in Revelation where it talks about there's the one and he's covered in blood? It's not the blood of those who are unchristians or pagan. It's Jesus covered in his own blood that he has sacrificed for all of humanity. This, this doctrine of, of the rapture, too, it, it also teaches uh, you know, a disposable earth. You think, well, wait a minute, what do you mean? Well, you know, it teaches a disposable earth that, uh, that will be left behind in the end. So, you know, why, why do we care what we do to it? Okay? I mean, if Christians are going to be raptured out anyway, why do we care what happens to the earth? Why do we think we should take care of it if we're, we're not going to be here? You know? But that's not, that's not what it's talking about. God created the earth. He's given us places to live. He's given us all of the things we have. And when God talks to us about being good stewards, He's not just talking about our money. I think He's talking about all the things that He's entrusted us with. And one of the things he's entrusted us with is this earth. Okay? So, yeah, we should recycle. Yeah, we should do what we can to, to take care of this place. And, and here's the other thing, too. Have you ever noticed that every, whatever generation is last, they always think they're the most important? Have you ever noticed that? Well, that's sort of the way this thing goes. Hey, we're out of here anyway. We're the mo we must be the most important. Surely God will send Jesus back during our during our time, but that's, 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 not, that's not the way it is. Um, we got to close down. It's about making sure we're ready for the return of Jesus. If we're ready for the return of Jesus, we won't find ourselves in the, the flood crowd. Does that make sense? We won't find ourselves in that crowd that gets swooped away by the flood we'll find ourselves ready to be with Jesus, ready to go home, ready to, to, to be here, be with him. So having said all of that, here's the bumper sticker that I prefer. Uh, in case of rapture, can I have your car? Um, you know, that's, that's the one, uh, that's the one that, that I prefer, that one, uh, especially like Jeffrey. Uh, if Jeffrey gets raptured, you know, I, I call dibs. Uh, so... <laughs> The point is, it's this. Twisting scripture can lead to non-biblical doctrine. Okay? It's about making sure we're ready for the return of Jesus. Now then, if you've got more questions about this, I'll be glad to send you some stuff because I was moving really fast.
Okay, and I recognize there could be some holes in a lot of what I was saying, but I'll be glad to send you some more stuff and we can, we can talk about this. But if, you don't, if you've missed everything else or part of everything else, don't miss the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is be ready, be alert, be prepared, however you want to say it. Okay, if you're not prepared, like if you haven't given your life to Jesus, well, guess what crowd you're going to find yourself in? You're going to find yourself standing with the flood crowd when the deluge comes. Okay? And what do we know happened to all those people? The flood came and it swept them all away. Jesus says, when I come back, it's going to be just like that. It's going to take people by surprise. Don't be swept away like them. Be ready for my return you've never given your life to Jesus, confess him now. Confess that, that, that he is Lord. Surrender your life to him in baptism. Put him on. Be ready so that when he comes back, we're all going together. Okay? Be ready. If you've got sin in your life, confess it. Okay? If there's something that we need to pray for, let us pray for. I mean, look, I mean, We've seen, we know the week we've had around here, okay? Uh, Donnie pointed it out again. There's a lot of stuff that we need to be praying for. We want to be able to pray for you as well. But whatever you do, don't go away hurting. Don't go away carrying a burden that, that, that Jesus never intended for you to carry. Bring it to him. Give it to him. If we can help you, we can pray for you. If you need to put Jesus on in, in baptism today, why don't you do that while we stand and while we sing?